we are in a brand new series. And it's about the seven deadly sins. And what we're trying to do is each week we're going to look at one of the deadly sins. And we're going to ask, how does this kill our joy? And how can we find our joy in Christ? Today, I wonder if you can pick what this would be. What would this be? Pride, right? It's obvious to see. Now, this is an obvious image, but we're going to see that pride has a lot more nuance. But this, I think, is the perfect image, because as soon as you see it, you go, oh, yeah, that's what pride is. Now, it's even more, and we're going to find that out. God has a way of drawing us to himself and addressing our pride. Pride is the mother of all sin. You never commit a sin without pride being at the base of it. Pride is the mother of all sin. I think of how much of my life is consumed by pride. How much it's consumed. Pride is simply being consumed with yourself. You can be proud when there's, uh, uh, you're doing great and every, you're saying, everybody look at me. And you could walk in pride when you've just blown it. And you're saying, I don't deserve any mercy. See, pride is just an inward focus on me. Pride is the supermodel walking down uh, the, the runway going, look at me. I'm beautiful. And pride is the overweight girl in the bathroom cutting herself. Go, look at me. I'm so ugly. You see, pride affects every area of life. And it goes far deeper. Because when we talk about pride, you'll want to excuse yourself. You'll want to say, well, that's not my issue. No, beloved. It's all of our issues. We struggle with it. I struggle with this so bad. I, I struggle with this so bad, I talk to God in a prideful way. I'll have an argument with my wife. And I'll go, God, did you see her? Did you see what she just said and did and acted and the way she acted? Clearly, you need to correct her. Because if I had as wonderful a spouse as she has, I would nowhere near act that way. You see, pride infiltrates every area of our lives. Pride is the reason why you won't ask your spouse for forgiveness. Why? You won't, why you won't extend forgiveness to that person who hurt you. Pride is the reason why you um, stay at your job knowing that God might have something better for you, but you feel afraid. And you go, no, 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 no. I need the security. I need the security. Pride is the reason that makes you stop talking to people that you should continue talking to and start talking to people you should probably stay away from. Pride affects every area of life. Everyone here, listen to me, every area of life, your marriage, your work, your friendships, it'll all be affected, affected negatively by your pride. Now, the kind of pride that we're not talking about is the kind of good pride. There's a, pride is a, is a tricky word because it's like there's this good pride and then there's this bad pride. Mostly when the Bible speaks of pride, it speaks about the bad pride. But there's like a good pride, right? Like, like I'm proud of my son, right? I'm proud of my children. I'm proud of my, uh, my spouse. My wife told me she was proud of me when I got my master's. There's, there's something about... Uh, just rejoicing in someone else's success, rejoicing in what someone else has done, rejoicing in the mercy of God. That's wonderful. That's not the pride we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the pride that affects every one of us and will threaten every single relationship you have. With that, I want you to know that God speaks a lot about pride and its dangers. And he gives an illustration about this guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Can you say that with me? Nebuchadnezzar. It's actually Nebuchadnezzar, but most of you know him as Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar was, uh, uh, he was 
a ruler like very few people in the whole world. There's probably not 10 people in the whole world who achieved his level of success in the history of the world. There's probably not five. This guy was like Alexander the Great type conqueror. He had literally conquered the entire known world. Like every place, you know like how you can think of a place? You'll think of a place like Bermuda or Africa or Mexico. He was, the, he was one of the few people in the world, probably maybe the only guy, but one of the few people in the world who could have said, yep, that's my kingdom. Yep, that's, I own that. Yep, I conquered that. I got that. He was a massive general, one of the most brilliant um, military minds the world has ever seen, and he reigned for over 50 years in a time where it was common for people to be assassinated. This guy was no joke. If anybody, if anybody had reason to be proud, it was this guy. And you know what? He was. He was. But God was so merciful that God, and this guy was a tyrant. He was ruthless. He was an animal. He, the, the Babylon, the only, probably the only, man, I don't know. There's a few people, that, I guess, throughout history who, who could, you could think of, but the Babylonians were one of the most fierce and ruthless armies that ever existed. I mean, they would, they would cut a pregnant woman open. Um, I mean, it was a ruthless group of people. Well, one of the things that, um, that Nebuchadnezzar had a habit of is that when he conquered lands, he would take the brightest minds, the, the most uh, brilliant young people, and he would then uh, enculturate them into his system. And so he would teach them their language, their culture, their everything, change their names, and then those brightest minds, you can understand how he was successful for so many years. And so he gathered those people, and so at around 605 B.C., he conquers Jerusalem. He conquers Jerusalem, and he starts getting the, 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 the most promising young people. He draws these people to himself. One of them names is, you might remember, his name is Daniel. Has anybody heard of the name of Daniel before this? Right, a few of you, right? And maybe you even heard of his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anybody here has ever heard of these three friends? Very famous. For those of you who don't know, um, Daniel was taken from Jerusalem. His friends, his three friends were also taken. And he was brought into the kingdom. He was given a different name, taught different things, given different traditions. It was just absolutely, again, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to indoctrinate him into his system. Well, Daniel loved God. And so Nebuchadnezzar was this proud person who looked beyond everything and said, no, 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 no. I'm the reason why we are where we are. I'm the great one. And so Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Um, he had a dream that was so scary to him that he literally told the magicians in his court. He told the wise men or the magicians or the astrologers. He goes, guys, I had a terrible dream, and I need you to interpret it for me. And he goes, no kidding. They go, hey, great, tell us your dream, and we'll interpret it for you. He goes, uh-uh. If you're so smart and you know what the gods think about my dream, I want you to tell me what my dream is, then interpret it for me. <laughs> they say, dude, nobody can do this. Only the gods can do this. Nobody can do this. He goes, listen, if you don't tell me what my dream is and then interpret it for me, I'm going to have you all killed because I think you're all full of crap. Daniel, at this point, goes, sends a messenger to the king, and he says, because Daniel is, is included in that, that sort of wise men uh, tradition. And so Daniel goes, yeesh, hey, tell the king, I'll do this for him, but just give me a little time in prayer. He takes a few days in prayer. He takes some time in prayer. And then he comes to the king, and you know what he does? He tells the dream 
of, he tells the king what his dream was, and then he interprets it. Hey, king, here's how it's going to go down. It's not going to go, the, the dream meant this, and this is how you should interpret it, and this is what you should do. And he was like, what? Dude, your God is the God. He goes, in fact, Daniel goes as far as says, hey, listen, man, I can't do this, but God can do this. And God told me what it is. And he goes, you're kidding. And he tells him all that stuff. And Nebuchadnezzar goes, whoa, I worship this God called Marduk. No more worshiping that guy. I'm going to worship your God. Your God is the God of gods. It's amazing. And then three years later, he forgot. Three years later, he erects a statue, a statue of himself. If you're not sure that that's pride, you're probably really proud then, because that's pretty big. And then he goes, hey, guys, tell you what, when you hear, um, um, when you hear on the radio uh, this song, I want you to bow before me, Right? I want you to bow before the statue. And then everybody bows. Everybody bows. When they hear the horns, they all bow. Except these three guys. Daniel was off somewhere else, and there was these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar then tells them, you're going to bow or you're going to fry. But one of those those two things are going to happen. Interestingly enough, neither of those two things happened. Because God, God was with these guys. And by the way, sometimes God is with you and you fry. That's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that God was leading them and he wanted to do something in Nebuchadnezzar's heart. Well, Nebuchadnezzar throws him into a furnace that you can walk in. I don't know, have you ever been in a furnace that you can walk in? Crazy. So hot that the guys who were throwing them in there died because they got too close. That's how hot it was. It was literally, the Bible says, heated seven times over. It was heated seven times over. They get thrown into the thing, into the, into the oven. Their, uh, their shackles burn right off. The ropes burn right off. And they're walking around. And they're looking in the fire. And they're going, wait, didn't we throw three guys in there? And, you know, the, the army guy goes, yeah, yeah, three guys, three guys. Why are there four guys in there? And that one looks divine. And they come out. He goes, Shadrach, he'd he'd have had to call this one out because he couldn't go in and get him. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out, come out. They come out. And he goes, okay, no, really. What, What was the name of your God again? Really? I'm worshiping that God. That God is a, Marduk, get out of here. Your God is the God of gods. And then he forgot. (laughs) Now, before I go any more on into this story, do you think that happens only to Nebuchadnezzar? Do you think that God might be trying to get your attention about your pride, humbling you, drawing you to himself, reminding you that he's great, and you go, man, God, you are something else. There is no one like you, and then you forget. And then you erect a statue in light of your honor. I don't know. I do it all the time. Well, 25 years from that fiery furnace, 25 years later, He has conquered all. There's literally no known world. They think that there's there's literally no other place to conquer. He's done it all. He's achieved a level of success that you and I can only dream of. And that's when we find our hero. He has another dream. You see, I want you to know this. Um, This is not the big idea, but you should know this. Two things that we learn about what I just told you about the background. One is that God sends people. God sends people to humble you. God sends people to tell you when you're walking in arrogance. And I'm telling you, I know I might be preaching to the choir right now, but I'm telling you, that attitude that we take that says, 
I don't need to worship God. I don't need to pursue God. Oh my gosh, you guys actually gather together to learn about the scriptures? I don't need that. I could worship God in my own living room. That kind of attitude, he will send people your way and say, beloved, 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 you're walking in pride. And I don't know if you know this, but James says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I mean, it literally, that resists is literally God wrestles against. He does MMA against the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, first thing is that God sends people. Another thing is that God is unbelievably patient. This happened, what we're talking about, the history that I just gave you, is 25 to 30 years long. 25 to 30 years. And if you think that's a long time, just ask yourself, how old are you? Because God has been trying to humble you for all those years. That's where we find our hero. And we have a huge amount of text to read. I'm going to read it, and then hopefully I'll be able to show you some things within the text that I think teach us a lot about pride, how deadly it is, and its cure. So let's look at it. Um, we're looking at Daniel chapter 4, verses 24 through 37. If you would stand at the reading of God's word, one of the things, one of the traditions that we have in our church, um, one of the traditions that we have in our church is, is when God's word is read, we just go, okay, wait. And I know some of you, you don't believe this. This is nonsense. This is gibberish. I get it. Listen, we stand because we recognize there is a wisdom, there is a, a beauty to what we're about to read, and we want to give it our full attention and respect. And so I'll read um, I'll read everything uh, up to verse 34, and we'll read 34 through 37 together, okay? So, this is the interpretation. You're, this is the, oh, I'm sorry, I should have told you this. Nebuchadnezzar has the dream. Nebuchadnezzar then tells Daniel, because he had that experience with Daniel 25 years before, you know? And, and then he um, calls on Daniel, because he remembers that he could interpret dreams, and he says, would you interpret it for me? Daniel is absolutely breathtaking. He's afraid for this king. This is the interpretation, he says, Daniel. Your ma- this is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by until you, you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots mean that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Pause there for a second. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. The dream is that there's a tree and that the, the, the tree encompasses the entire earth. Like everybody's under the shade of the tree. And then the tree gets cut down. The tree is so massive, it covers the entire earth. The tree gets cut down, but there's still the stump and root left. That's what Daniel is referring to. The command to leave the stump of the tree, uh, this is verse 26, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Say these next few words with me in verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Pause. Pause. Let that sit. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. 
12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is this not the great... Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence of my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox Seven times will pass by for you until, your king, uh, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers, like the feathers of an eagle, and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, "What have you done?" At that at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me. For the glory of my kingdom, my advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Let's read verse 37 together. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt the glo- and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. This is God's word. Have a seat. Now, before I go on in the talk and talk about Nebuchadnezzar, it's easy to see the extreme nature of his pride. Pride is like greed. The problem with pride, it is difficult to see in the mirror. Pride is like greed and like wealth. You never look in the mirror and go, dude, You're proud. You never do that. Just like you never look in the mirror and say, dude, you're greedy. Or you never look in the mirror and you go, boy, you're rich. Rich is somebody who makes a little bit more money than you. Pride is someone who's a little bit more arrogant than you. Greed is someone who's a little bit more selfish than you. But not you. And so there's a temptation to be thinking about the person who really should be here to listen to this message, but the fact is is that you and I need this. We need this bad. Now, what I'll do is I'll walk you through uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and then what we'll do is we'll um, see if we can apply it to ourselves. But I'm telling you, there's a temptation during this talk for you to think that this is not for you. I'm telling you, this is for the person wearing your shirt. Daniel, as you see in verse 24 and following, Daniel interprets the dream for him. This tree, the tree is you. And the shade that you give is, the, is, the, is your power and authority. Everywhere your shade falls on is your power and authority that everyone experiences. But because you haven't given God glory and honor, he's going to cut down this tree Then Daniel says, he says something powerful. He goes, hey man, if, if, it be, if you'll be pleased to listen to a suggestion, turn from your wickedness. Turn from your wickedness. He says, therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then that your prosperity will continue. He goes, listen, king, You're acting like an animal. You're you're oppressing the poor. You're not being merciful to those you conquer. You're being wicked to the oppressed. 
Be kind to them. Be merciful to them. And in our culture, gosh, isn't that something that we need? Just to be kind and loving to people who can't be kind and loving back? Just to be, just to be respectful. I love what Pedro said. He says, you know, uh, I was talking to Pedro. They, they, they fed like 100 uh, people chicken and waffles, which I wish they would Fridays is my day off, so I don't do anything. I wish they would have done it on Saturday because chicken and waffles is what? Chicken and waffles, right? That's pretty delicious. I pay money for chicken and waffles. And so, but I love, I love what Pedro said when he was giving away to all the hungry people at the Wyckoff Projects um, food. He goes, they go, hey, these are, these are real plates. Mm-hmm. And real forks. Mm-hmm. Because you're a real person with real dignity, and we're going to treat you with respect. Be kind to the oppressed. He says this, and he says, it may be, we don't know, but can't hurt, may be that your prosperity will continue. Now, now listen to me. I want you to see this next verse. In, uh, all this happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Jump to verse 29. Twelve months Later, pause. Remember the thing that we said about God's patience? 25 years and 12 months later. The patience of God is absolutely astounding. God is trying to reveal to the person who's right now ruling over the entire known world that it's not him that rules, it's God that rules. It's not him that reigns, it's God that reigns. Let me ask you something. Do you think Nebuchadnezzar is the only one that needs that lesson? I think it wouldn't be bad if God knocked on the door of your heart and said, oh, and by the way, do you think that you are the tree where everything in your life gets shade from you? That if you don't do it, if you don't get it done, if it's not up to you, and that it doesn't happen, listen to me, listen to me. You are not the king of the universe. You are not the, oh my goodness. I am the master of my fate, the captain of my ship. I remember having, that it's an actual poem, and you hear it at graduations all the time, and I was having a serious conversation with my brother. You might have heard me say this before, and he actually quoted that to me because we were talking about things like God and stuff like that. And I, and I said, dude, if you're the captain of your ship, you need a mutiny. <laughs> like, for real. You need to, like, check, like, you need to, you need to fire the captain. And I, was, and I guess I was frustrated and I was trying to give him a zinger, but there was some truth to that. That you being the captain of your life will not get you where you want to go. It will only have you more nervous, more afraid of losing what you've acquired. Because you can, if you can only get it by your power, you can only keep it by your power. And so, he goes, Nebuchadnezzar, this is not about you. But the proud, the proud, they don't think that way. You know the way the proud? The proud, everything they receive is required. Of course. In fact, today's big idea, what I'm trying to wrap everything around is this thought. Pride requires humility receives. Pride requires. Pride says, of course I got this. You know why I got this great marriage? Because I'm such a great guy. You know why I got this great church? Because I'm such a great pastor. You know why I got the money that I do? Because I'm such a hard worker. You know that why I have this physique that I do? Because I work out so much. You know why I have uh, the kids that I have? You know why my kids are doing well? You know why my kids are, you know, you know why um, I have this cardio? Because it's, you know what? It's about me. I did it. It's owed to me. After all I've done, give it to me. Look at all the hard work I put into this. And if you don't want to acknowledge that, you don't have to stay, but I'm telling you, it's owed to me. Pride requires. Pride demands. Pride says, this is mine. But lest you think that pride is only for those who achieve things, pride requires when everything goes wrong. 
Pride says, I don't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? God, why me? When everything goes wrong. Pride is the person who says, look at me, I'm clean nine months. Why can't you get your act together? And pride says, why, God? I made meetings. I went to church. Why did I relapse? Pride demands. Pride requires. Pride says, it's rightfully mine. I earned it. And I don't deserve that. Pride requires. But humility, beloved, humility receives. Humility receives everything like a gift. We're going to see that later on in Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, let's jump there. Let's jump there because I think this is... At the end of my time, at the end of that time, verse 34, look at this. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised... Let's say these words together. Raised my eyes toward heaven. Stop. At the end of that time... I stopped going, look at me, look at me, look at me. And he actually looked up to heaven and said, oh my, have mercy on me. By the way, for those of you, just a little tidbit of information or a little piece of trivia. This is actual, uh, actually a psychiatric condition. It's, no, no kidding. It's called uh, boanthropy. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's boanthropy. And um, it's a psychological disorder in which humans believe themselves to be a bovine. That's like cattle. Um, Boanthropy still occurs today when a person in a delusional state believes himself or herself to be an ox or a cow and attempts to live and behave. No kidding. It's a real condition. God tells Nebuchadnezzar, God tells Nebuchadnezzar, you think you earned everything? You think you're owed everything? You want to act like an animal? Gotcha. You got it. Nebuchadnezzar finally looks up towards heaven. Raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Now, Daniel says it was for seven times. We don't know if that was seven days, seven months, seven seasons, or seven years. Most people think that it was seven years, which is a really, feels like a really long time. But boy, some of us need a little bit of, some of us need that time, don't we? There are just some lessons we don't get on the first try, do we? This happened to him. He finally looks up at heaven. Then, and here's, listen to me. Then I praised the Most High. Pause. He went from requiring everything, from demanding everything, from making sure that he gets the credit for everything, to going, oh, no, 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 no. This is a gift. I receive this. Now, if you live like that, then, oh my gosh, number one, your, your joy in Jesus explodes. Your joy in Christ exponentially grows. And your ability to endure suffering is exponentially grown as well. Nebuchadnezzar says, look at what he says. Then I praised the most high God. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. He lives forever. I don't live forever. His dominion is eternal. My dominion is not eternal. My dominion is temporal. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. I can't even stop eating grass. He goes, all the people of the earth are regarded as nothing, including me. He does what he pleases. And with the power of heaven and the people of the earth, no one can hold back his hand. But I just found someone who could hold back my hand. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? See, pride wants to ruin your life. And pride, you know you're in a prideful state. If you're, you're, you're what? The, after washing the dishes, you're going to act like that? After all I've done, you're going to give them the promotion? After what, how I raised you, you're going to act like this? You see, pride always divorces you from everyone else. Pride always has you as better. Pride always has you. Again, pride requires. 
Humility receives. Now, what did I mean by humility receives? Humility receives everything as a gift. Everything as a gift. Hey, and I know, okay, you're sitting there and you're going, okay, I get, I get it. I read, I'm reading your mind. Um, you're sitting there and you're going, no, I get some credit here. I've been clean for 15 years. I started my business from scratch and now I'm making a good living. I went back to school. I'm the one who went back to school in my late 30s and early 40s and got my degree. I pulled myself up from my bootstraps. Now, beloved, listen to me. Just who gave you the mind that you have to go to school? Who gave that to you? Anybody know? It's not your question. Starts with a G. Only three letters. God. Yeah, yeah. All right. Jesus is good. Yeah, that's good. All right. But it's God, right? It's God. Right? Let me ask you something. If, if you would have been born in the 15th century and, like, chicken pox was running rampant and was, like, killing most, like, the entire society, do, do, do you think... Do you think you would have been able to accomplish everything that you accomplished? No, you didn't, you didn't pick the opportunities that, you were, that were availed to you. You didn't pick the body that was given you. You didn't pick your stamina. You didn't pick your ability. You think you gave yourself that mind? No, beloved. You go, no, 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 I woke up in the morning and I worked hard. Beloved, listen to me. Take your alarm clock and take it to the cemetery and let it ring all morning long and see how many people that alarm clock wakes up. You see, you, you, you just, it, it's God who woke you up. It's God who woke you up. But pride can't receive that. No, no, no. And the reason, and there's a couple of reasons why pride can't receive it. Number one, I want to take credit for what I've done. But in the, oh, but no, I suffer from low self-esteem. And you're trying, the solution to low self-esteem is not high self-esteem. I want you to know this. I know you're taught this. And I know, I know, I know, I know. You take this with mother's milk. You breathe it in. It's part of our culture. You have, that, that the solution for low self-esteem is high self-esteem. I'm telling you. Even the psychologists are catching up with the Bible. They're saying, that, I'm telling you, the, more, the more dangerous person is not the person with low self-esteem. The most dangerous person in the world is the person with high self-esteem. Trust me. You don't want to think that the solution to low self-esteem is high self-esteem. The low self-esteem, uh, solution to low self-esteem is not high self-esteem. It's esteeming God. That's the solution to low self-esteem. You can, you can go, God, you gave me this business. You gave me this opportunity. Listen, I, I got a master's degree um, in, in uh, I guess I was uh, in my 40s. I got a, a master's degree. I'm still in my 40s, but I'm saying I got a little late in life, right? It would be ridiculous for me to walk around here and say, Mira, look at me. Pretty bright, right? I did it with five kids. I did it with a wife. I did it with a ministry. I did it working three jobs. Huh? Huh? Right? How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous is that? Ask me how I even got into the, 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 the school. Someone gave me a scholarship. Actually, how I got accepted was the vice president. A, fr a friend of mine knew the vice president and told him about me, and then he met me. If No friend? No, uh, no conversation, no college. My son, I'm such a great parent. My son's going to NYU. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. It's stupid. It's stupid for me to say that. I can't afford NYU. My son, you know how that happened? A guy who I never met, someone else told him about me. And he happened to know the, um, one of the, uh, the biggest uh, philanthropers at NYU. He just happened to know. It was a kawinky dink. <laughs> God did that. And when you live life, my son, listen, if my son is ever the Supreme Court Justice of the United States of America, 
if he ever becomes that, it won't be because he was smart. And it won't be because he worked hard. And it won't be. It's because God was gracious to him. God was gracious to him. Good night. He gave him a father like me. I mean, what else could you ask for? (laughs) You see, pride is wicked. Pride receives everything as a gift. But you know what that does? When you require everything, when you demand everything, when you say, "I, I, I did this. Look what the work of my hands did. When you do that, when you do that, you can't take any joy in it. But when you receive it as a gift, oh, beloved, when you receive it as a gift, you go, wait up. You mean my ability to exercise? That's a gift? Thank you, God. I'm so grateful to you. I love you so much. Thank you so much for being so kind to me. I know this gift is not going to last forever. You know, the, the, the uh, statistics hover around 100 out of 100 people get sick and die, right? Like, you know, so I'm not going to have this physical body forever, but thank you, God, today. This is such a gift. Man, I have a great relationship with my wife. Thank you, God. I don't deserve because you know why? But what about when pain comes? Humility receives that as a gift, too. Humility receives it as a gift. You go, God, this is so, wait, this? For me? Pain and suffering and heartache. When all that happens, I go, God, I, okay, God, you know I wouldn't have chosen this gift. You know that. I don't want this gift. I don't. I don't, I don't like this gift. But I'll, I'm going to take this gift as if it came from your hand knowing that you have something to teach me. You're going to draw me to yourself. Yeah, but your wife cheated on you. Yeah. You're going to see that as a gift? Oh. Um. Yeah, I don't. I know that Satan meant it for evil. But I know that God could use even that for good. Yeah, but Ed, your kid died. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. You see, pride, pride has you curse God. Humility has you trust God. Pride requires humility. Receives. Now, how do we apply this? Okay, so, tomorrow, today, what do you do with this? Okay, here's what you're going to do. We're not going to wait till like we, you know, until uh, an uncle that we've never met dies and leaves us with a billion dollars before we go, thank you, God, I didn't earn this. This is great. This is wonderful. We're not going to wait till that. You know what we're going to do? We're going to start Walking, we're going to say no to pride. By God's grace, we're going to say no to pride. We're not going to be like Nebuchadnezzar and say, look at this world. This world I made with my hands. Look at my marriage. Look at my children. Look at my health. I did this with my hands. Look at this world. I did this with my hands. You know why we're not going to do that? Because there was one who could legitimately say, this is a world that I made with my hands. And he came from heaven to earth. And he lived the life that you should have lived and died the death that you deserve to die. Jesus was the only king of the universe who could have said, look at my hands. This is all done because of me. Now look at me. And rather what he did was he went on the cross and he died so that you and I could live. He was the only king who could say what Nebuchadnezzar said. Look at what my hands have made. And so... If this is, if my life is God's kingdom, if my life is God's kingdom, what does that look like? Well, it looks like this. Tonight, today, as you leave here, as the musicians come up, by the way, tonight, as you leave, I want you to start saying this phrase. Thank you, God, 
this is better than I deserve. Thank you, Jesus. This is better than I deserve. Now, that means when you get a gift and the sweater doesn't fit and it, it's not exactly what you wanted, you go, thank you, Jesus. This really is better than I deserve. I don't deserve any gifts from anybody. When you're working at your job and they're treating you unjustly, you go, God, maybe you're leading me. I, I want to I leave open that you're leading me to another position or maybe to go back to school or maybe to do something different. Maybe you're leading me in that way, but I want you to know for this moment, this is better than what I deserve. When you see somebody who just relapsed and you go, how could you? After four years, how could you relapse? You can say, my clean time is better than I deserve. When, when your spouse starts behaving in, in a way that's crazy, you can go, Jesus, maybe we need to go to counseling. Maybe we need to have some uh, marriage counseling, or maybe we need to address some issues in our marriage. But let me tell you something. He's better, she's better than I deserve. Now watch this. When you miss your train in the morning, when you, when you stub your toe at night, God, this is so much better. You know what I deserve? I deserve hell and damnation. This is not so bad. I was just experiencing this a few uh, weeks ago. Um, somebody gave me a computer, and it was an incredible gift. I love this thing. I, it's, I use it all the time now, but the, the hard drive was dying, and it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. Have you ever, there's, there's almost nothing like uh, frustration, like computer frustration. Have you ever had computer frustration? Like, I'm, I'm talking about, like, in front of my kids, I'm telling my wife, get these kids out of here. It's like, I'm, I'm an absolute beast. It's terrible. It's awful. Now the computer works fine, so I can look back and go, oh. But in the moment, I was felt so justified. And what, I, what would have been a better attitude would have been, you know, God, this computer is far better than I deserve. It's far better than I deserve. Now it's working like a charm, like it's amazing. But it's far better than I deserve. And when we get sick, God, thank you for this life. It's far better than I deserve. And people that we love pass away. God, thank you for their investment in my life. Thank you for letting me know them for this period of time. As some of you know, we've, uh, my family has adopted uh, children. And um, we had one baby that we absolutely fell in love with, called her Mylinda. Milinda, my beautiful. And we were with her for months. And then stuff happened beyond our control, and they took our baby away. I still pray for her. I pray that her family is not being self-destructive, I pray that she know about Jesus. It was a heartbreak, for sure. But God, that three months was a gift that I didn't deserve. And even though I didn't want the second gift, the one of her being taken away, I know that you're not blind to this, and you can be trusted. Thank you, Jesus. Even this painful gift, is better than I deserve. I'm going to stand. I'm going to pray for you. Is there anyone here who would say, you know, Pastor, I, I, I think I need some prayer here. I think I've been walking in pride. I've been walking in pride. I've been just kind of making everything about me. Just keep your hand up. I want to pray for you. Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah, me too, my hand's up too. So remember, 
pride requires, pride demands, but humility receives, receives everything like a gift from God. Father, I pray for my friends, my friends who are like me, who wrestle and struggle with pride, who see the things that we have in life as the things that we've done. And all we want is for people to look at us and we get angry when they don't acknowledge what we've done. We get angry when they don't see our contribution. We get angry when our spouses don't respond to our kindness. We get angry because we demand, we require, we're proud. Lord, would you remind us that humility, humility receives And Lord, would you help us, even this week, to walk around going, even when it's painful, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's frustrating, to just pause and say, God, this is better than I deserve. And the reason it's better than what we deserve is because you gave your son what he did not deserve. Because you gave your son what he did not deserve, we don't have to get what we deserve. Remind us about Jesus' sacrifice. Remind us that we deserve crucifixion and, and death. Remind us that you give us mercy and life. Remind us. And so God, I ask for my friends that you would draw us to yourself, that we would be broken before you, that we would seek your face and be broken before you, recognizing that everything that we have is a gift from your hand. And knowing, knowing that you are the greatest gift of all. Draw us to yourself. Help us to see that and know that. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.